listening to Have the Conversation Podcast, a podcast centered around mental health, wellness, and everything in between. I'm Calla. And I'm Leanne. We're sitting down with everyday people to talk about life and the lessons they've learned, all in an effort to connect and stay encouraged. Joining us this week is Eric Almeida, an EFT practitioner, co-host of the Take a Breather podcast, and quite possibly our new best friend. Eric opens up about his history of being bullied as a kid, battling with his sexual identity, and how the emotional freedom technique, or EFT, aided in his healing and reignited his passion for helping others. After the episode, be sure to visit htcpod.com slash episodes for ways you can connect with Eric. We've been following along on your website and your podcast leading up to you being here um, to learn all about EFT. The first time I heard it was in a book called Radical Self-Love by Gala Darling. She talks about EFT. Cool. But can you kind of tell our audience what EFT is? Absolutely. So EFT is, stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. So it's a mental health technique that utilizes acupressure points on the body that you would either tap upon or apply pressure to in order to help calm the fight, fight, and freeze response that we all naturally have. Mm-hmm. So by doing the technique, you're actually calming down your nervous system as you're doing the tapping on yourself. So with EFT, with the acupressure points, they, they align with the meridians of the body. So there's 10 acupressure points that I personally use, which activates all 14 of the meridians. And they would be the top of the head, Uh, eyebrow at the bridge of the nose, the side of the eye on the bony socket, under the eye directly below your pupil on the bony socket, the upper lip, like between the nose and the upper lip, the lower lip right before the beginning of the chin, that little divot, the, the collarbone, right at the base of the neck, under the arm, so beneath your armpit. So for a woman, it would be where your bra strap is. For a man, you draw a line from your nipple directly beneath your armpit the inner wrist where a watch strap would be, and then the side of the hand below the pinky, which would be like the karate chop area if you're, you know, in karate. Yeah, I know that one. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're not quizzing us after this. No, 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 no. I'm trying to follow along. I'm doing like the side of the cross over here. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no quiz, no quiz. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, so when you're tapping on those acupressure points, you're calming down the fight, fight, and freeze response, like I mentioned before, and it it creates this calming effect in the body. And so we need that response for human survival. It's that response that you get if you're driving on the highway, a car starts merging into your lane, you swerve out of the way, it's the same response, you're going for a hike, a snake goes in front of you and you jump. So that response has kept us alive as a species for all of time. But when that response gets activated as well in events that are perceived as life-threatening, so this would be anything that would be a traumatic event. And by traumatic event, I'm using it like lowercase t. So anything that provokes a strong emotional response. So this could be- Morning traffic. This could be morning traffic. This could be someone said something and you're really embarrassed. This could be, you're, you're scared, you know, whether it's perceived fear, perceived threat or actual threat. And so your mind, when you have those events that occur, your mind for survival is like, okay, this strong emotional response, negative response happened from this event. We're going to remember this so that you don't put yourself in this situation again. 
And so when you're talking about, you know, jumping from the snake, you kind of want that. Most, most of the time you come across a snake, it, it's not going to be a good deal. Right. But in situations like embarrassment or anger or frustration, that system is being activated again and unnecessarily. So a perfect example would be public speaking. A lot of people hate public speaking. And yeah, typically, right. yes, <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> since you guys do a podcast. I know, I know. This is We're undercover public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. There's no, there's no active audience. It kind of yeah, creates right. a nice little barrier. I'm in the same boat. I used to hate public speaking forever. Yeah, yeah. And so for most people, for the majority of people, you can trace that back to some kind of experience in their past that started that fear of public speaking. So for me personally, it was uh, a science presentation in middle school. I didn't prepare for it. And I really embarrassed myself in front of my class. And my teacher was very upset with me. And I was like the goody two-shoes student. So that really like struck a nerve. Yeah. Yeah. So that activated all that emotion in me back then when I was, what is, what is that? Like fifth grade. So that's 10. 10, yeah. And those emotions weren't processed back then, 100%. I didn't, I didn't let myself feel it and kind of, acknowledge and blah 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 have a more healthy response because I was 10 and so ever since then up until me doing the EFT work on myself public speaking would activate that system and I would have this that same kind of like I don't want to do this and I would you know be breaking out in sweat and getting nauseous and getting sick and for me it was so bad that something like this like recording with the two of you I would be wanting to vomit like a week in advance and feel terrible. And so, and so for me, it was more complicated than that one simple memory. It goes into being bullied as a kid, which I'm happy to go into, but it kind of fueled all that. But so with, with the EFT, when you're, when I'm working with a client on whatever the issue is in particular, we start with the surface level emotion that they're experiencing. So maybe, you know, maybe they have to give a presentation at work and they're absolutely petrified. So we start on that initial, initial fear and, we, and I, I tap with them and we tap on the fear and, we ta- and I, I guide them through the tapping by kind of repeating back with having them repeat after me certain phrases based upon how their own descriptions of, of their fear. And then I tend to, based on my intuition and my instinct and just past experience, I tend to start almost putting seeds in my phrases to see if something clicks more. So they might, you know, they might say, you know, I'm really scared to give this presentation. You know, I'm really worried how it's going to affect my job and my performance and getting a raise or keeping my job. Maybe I might get fired. And so I'll start putting like, like it sounds worse to say it this way, but it's kind of accurate. Like almost putting, I literally put words in their mouth because I have them repeat after me (laughs) and see if it resonates. And then if it resonates, I keep going with that. If it doesn't, I walk away. In the, in the moment. So I could say something like, you know, um, I'm super, you know, while they're tapping, you know, I could be saying something like, you know, I'm really worried that my coworkers are going to make fun of me. They may not ever have said that, but that might be, there might be something there. And then based on their response, I keep going or I don't. So sometimes if it doesn't resonate, the person will say it and they'll be kind of neutral. But when it does resonate, you can see it in their body. You can see it in their, in their, 
in their reaction. You can hear it in their voice. Sometimes it could, you know, if, if it strikes a nerve, a person could cry or they can get angry or agitated. And then I kind of keep going with them in that regard when it comes to kind of flushing that out. And so after doing that initial tapping round on that initial emotion, I then asked them, you know, what came up after all of that? Cause like, I, I noticed that you had a, an emotional response from these points, what was coming up for you? Sometimes they'll describe something more physical that's going on and then we'll go. I'm and... so sorry about my dog. I'm so, I don't mean to don't worry I'm about really it. Him out. Okay. I'm no. very sorry. Do Just not need worry to acknowledge about it. it for my own safety. <laughs> I saw it through your eyes, Cal. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay, going to need a session after this. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. I'm sorry. I did not no, no, no. interrupt. That's no, so not at all. <laughs> I have a cat. I'm hoping he doesn't try to break into this room. Mine will too at yeah. some point. Don't worry it's about be a it. Zoo. We're, it's fine. we're all home. We're all dealing with pets and, and trains and cars and trucks and cats and dogs and babies. And it's, don't worry about it. So, um, you were talking about when it would resonate. Yeah. And, and so, I, yeah. And so I'd ask them, you know, what, a, like those specific comments seem to resonate more. What was coming up? Sometimes it might be something as clear as a memory. And then we would go after the memory. And sometimes it would be more just physical. They might just be like, you know, I felt, you know, I felt really nauseous in my stomach or I felt a lot of tension in my shoulders or, you know, my eyes started to twitch or something like that. And then I would focus more on the physical response and every person's kind of different which, with which way it kind of goes. But the, the goal with the EFT work is you start with the surface level issue, whatever it is. So it could be, like I said, that, you know, fear of the giving this presentation. And the goal is to kind of go into the past and kind of dig up what's going on there. So by going into the past and going to the seed that started this fear of public speaking, you can unroot the seed and heal what happened from the past and kind of get that emotion gone. So we would go into that memory from the past. With me, it would be that experience I had in middle school with a science project presentation. And I, we would, with the tapping, we would focus on that particular memory, going into detail as to what happened and, and expressing the emotion during the session while tapping, which calms all of those emotions down. And the goal is to get that past memory back to an emotional charge of nothing, where the memory is just a series of facts. I was here, this thing happened, and that was kind of it. It's no longer, there's no, no more charge. And when you do that, everything it's fueling up into the present starts to dismantle. You actually are rewiring the neurology of the mind because you're no longer reactivating the same, like the same system of public speaking equals bad. Don't do it. And so for a typical issue that a person might be wanting to work on, you're, you, it's usually about three to five memories that you'd have to process. All the while, there's improvement happening. It's just, and if it's, a, if it's something more chronic, so this would be capital T trauma, this would be prolonged physical or sexual abuse, this would be, this would be you know, PTSD, you know, like it was very commonly like with soldiers or with police officers or paramedics, firemen, that kind of thing. Then it, you could be talking about up to 10 memories potentially mm -hmm. because you're, you know, especially with childhood trauma, if a person was in an abusive home, there could be hundreds or potentially thousands of individual incidences. 
And luckily with the EFT technique, you don't have to do all of them because that would just take a lifetime to undo that many incidences. But you start, you, you focus on the stronger ones and it dwindles all the smaller ones. So the way I like to describe that with more in-depth trauma is imagine all of those emotions are like giant piles of sand. You start with the highest piles and you, you start digging the sand away, getting, you know, slowly getting the emotion to go away, processing the emotion and getting down to the bedrock, getting back down to that one memory where there's no more emotion. But like sand, as you start digging a hole, the sand around it starts to pour in and, and starts to fill it back up a little bit. Those are the, the weaker memories, kind of their emotion kind of bleeds into the main memory you're working on. So as you keep digging down, smaller memories start getting cleaned out at the same time. So it still takes more, but you don't have to do every single one. You tend to go with the, the most notable memories. And those are the ones that we tend to, that those individuals would have the best memories of. So and, go ahead, please. Sorry. And, and do you discover which memories are the stronger ones based off their reactions when you say certain things? You just have an intuition about it or... So when it comes to strength of the memory or strength of the, the, of the emotion, that is coming from the client. So typically what I would do is I would, I would have them assess in of themselves, how strong does this, does this memory feel? Or how strong does the emotion feel? And I'd say on a subjective scale of zero to 10, zero being no emotion and 10 being you're so overcome with emotion that you can't handle it. And then I would just say, where do you feel right now on this scale of zero to 10? It's completely subjective. And we ba and I go off what the client feels. Okay. And then I, 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 I keep touching back in with that scale. And when, when, they get, when they themselves say, I feel no emotion, then we tend to move on from there. Wow. And how long is that just totally individual how long that takes for somebody to lose the charge from that memory so it depends on the individual um it is totally possible for a single memory to be cleared in a single 50 to an hour long session it yeah. really just depends on how long it takes to get to the memory so if a client walks in and they're like you know i'm having i'm having issues finding a romantic partner because of this abusive relationship i had and here's this really bad memory I had from my ex. And I'd be like, all right, let's go right there. So <laughs> there's more time and you have a better chance to really knock out that memory in one shot. If someone walks in being like, I'm having a really hard time with relationships, I don't understand why. Then you're starting with, okay, you know, what's going on? What are you feeling when you're, when you're trying to date people? What's the emotions that is provoking you? Then you start with the surface level emotion. Then you eventually find those memories. Dig your way down. Okay. Yeah, exactly. they're really repressed. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's because, you know, the purpose of repression is to protect the psyche. If, if we had conscious access of every single negative memory we have in our minds we won't be able to function oh god yeah. right like <laughs> yeah. go back to bed now <laughs> yeah no like yeah exactly we wouldn't be able to function we would just we would be on the floor rocking back and forth being like uh like <laughs> yes fetal position yeah typical yeah. monday morning so yeah. <laughs> so and that's the thing all of those defense mechanisms that you learn about in psych 101 you know you know displacement and suppression and, and denial and all that kind of stuff we need that. We've, we have learned to do those things to function because 
primordially, if you go to primitive human, if you're being chased by the lion, you, your focus needs to be on running, not freaking out by the lion. So all of, <laughs> right. our, all of our ancestors that focused more on, oh my God, there's a lion, died. <laughs> so it's the same thing with us. You know, how many times have you heard instances of a person's house is on fire, a parent does something superhuman, grabs their kids and runs out of the house? Because in that moment, it's like, it's just primordial. It's like, I need to protect my family and get out. But then afterwards, the, the, the emotions kick in and then, and then you might get PTSD and things like that. And then you have to process it, but it, it's, it's not a pleasant process at all. No one wants to conquer, wants to feel huge negative emotions. It's, it's why we ignore them. Right. Did you discover your trauma from your middle school presentation from doing the EFT techniques? So it's funny. So for me, so short answer, yes. Okay. For me, I started more working on being bullied. So I'm a gay guy. I, I, you know, I went, I went, I was in high school and, you know, I was a nineties kid. I graduated from high school in 03. That was back in the day for all of the younger listeners where calling something stupid gay was all the craze yeah. before it, it is like today. I graduated in 2003 too. So oh, there I we go. So, totally. Yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. yes. You know, <laughs> did so, you know at that age? I was in some severe denial. I was, I was aware I, I yeah. play, I was, <laughs> I put myself in this position of, I'm not going to come out until I know for sure, but I'm not going to do, but I'm not going to do anything to find out. So oh, I put yeah. myself in this kind of, yeah, I was too, I knew what the answer was that I was too scared to make sure because I'd, ha, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to come out and I'd have to deal with all the consequences of coming out. And I was already being bullied and being called gay and no one knew for sure that I was. So it's kind of like, I'm already dealing with the shit in school from that. Yeah, Why would right. I keep going? <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to add to that right now. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So when I was doing a lot of work on myself, I focused, I, you know, the memories of being bullied were stronger, but one of the, it was ironically, one of the weaker memories was this experience in middle school. It just came up during a random session of like, cause we'd be tapping and I'd be talking about whatever. And all of a sudden I'd be like, I'd be like, I remember this time in middle school and being really like, that was the emotion. I was embarrassed and, and ashamed. And shame is a rough emotion. It's, it's a very common one that people never want to feel. It's the most common. Anger is easy. Mo- anger is easier to deal with. Depression, a lot of us can hold on, admit that they've been de- having moments of depress- depression and anxiety. Fear is super common. We all want the happy emotions, but yeah. shame, is, shame is a rough one. You know, it's it, shame is essentially self-hatred. Those roots are deep. Yeah. 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 I just want to like turtle into yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, it, it came up organically on its own because it, it wasn't as strong of, it wasn't strong enough for it to be more conscious in my mind compared to the bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, but as this, as the, the emotional charge of the bullying went down, cause I was actively working on it with another practitioner at that time it can't, it, it surfaced. And that tends to be what happens when you're doing EFT on a more long-term is that as you start knocking out those memories and clearing them of emotion, your mind subconsciously, this is, you know, this is all in the back of the head. 
subconsciously is like, oh, that's gone. We have some mental vitality back. And it's like, how about this memory? And then that comes up naturally. And then you clear that. And then it's like, oh, that's great. That's gone too. How about this memory? And then you work on that and that clears away. And then eventually it's like, here's this horrible, gross, terrible memory I think your your subconscious is like you're strong enough now to deal with this because you're like pushing it down. Yeah, because like, ah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's we are all born with a certain amount of mental vitality, and every person's different. And it's just what does that mean? Mental strength. Okay. So I'll you I'll, I'll repeat an analogy I, I learned from my abnormal psych professor because it's it's a really good analogy. <laughs> So he, he, the way he described it was, we're all born with an army of mental strength and everyone's got a different size army and it, it's purely just, ra- it's purely genetic or random or whatever you want to say. Whenever we experience something, some hardship in the present, we use our mental army to deal with it. But if that, pr- that issue isn't dealt with 100%, some soldiers stay on the field continuing to fight the battle but you keep moving on. So your army continues, shrinks as you Dwindling. age. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. So when you go back in, t- in time in your mind and go back to those old memories and truly heal them, those soldiers stop fighting that old battle and then they rejoin your army. And then you have more vitality for the present. You have more soldiers again. And so the problem being- I love that analogy. Yeah, it's it's a great analogy, and that's it's. I'm stealing it from him. I totally forget his name. He's long retired, but I'm stealing it. Um, and so, essentially, mental illness is you. The present requires more soldiers than you have, so then you start pulling them from your past. But then the past war comes up. Whoa! So those wars, because those they don't stop until you heal them. So it could lead to a slew of mental health issues. So like, for example, addiction or or substance abuse, and this could be anything. This could be drugs, or this could be food. This could be exercise. This could be work. Those are all of the above. All of the above. (laughs) Or a combination. (laughs) Like that, I've got the combo platter on that one. Yes. (laughs) Super sizes. Yeah. So essentially... Those forms of coping are all ways of distracting oneself from a problem. So using some form of drug is literally disabling your mind in some capacity. You know, getting drunk, getting high on whatever drug it is, is to kind of numb you out so that you don't feel it anymore. You know, excessive exercise. So, you know, over overworking yourself is the same thing. It's, It's a way of creating physical distress that you're it's giving you control over your physical distress because you have emotional distress uh food cravings food addiction it's the same kind of thing you're either feeding yourself something you're you're trying to give yourself something you never got or you're also giving yourself control so overeating and feeling gross and nauseous and, and maybe even anorexia or bulimia it's 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 a way to give yourself control because some, at some point in your past, you were out of control or you had no control. Something was happening to you that was out of your control. Abuse is pretty common in that regard. Um, I'm missing one. 
eh, that's work. enough work. Yeah. yeah o- overworking as well could be a way of not letting yourself kind of stop and think sit with yourself and sit with yourself. Yeah. So for your listeners, if the thought of sitting by yourself in silence for five minutes scares the crap out of you, you've got shit you don't want to deal with. 100%. Say it again. <laughs> so, Louder this time. <laughs> so no, but seriously, if, if you cannot be alone with your own thoughts, with no distractions, no phones, no internet, no music, no people, if, that, if the thought of doing that scares you, And you're just like, absolutely not. There is something you're running from. And here's the thing. It is really hard to turn around and face the shit you're running from. But the big thing I say to people is, you know, being brave is not doing something without fear. Being brave is doing something, being afraid and doing it anyway. And when you turn around and you face the shit that you're running away from, it's not as bad as you think. It might be it was it might be unpleasant in the moment as you're dealing with it, but when you get through it, you build confidence and then you're willing to keep facing your path and continuing to tackle the shit that you've buried. Mm-hmm. And you'll have I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There'll be times where it's going to suck. There's going to be times where you're going to refeel those emotions you've been running away from. But if you process them, and then you let them go once and for all. If you truly end those battles from your past, they're done. And then you don't have to run from those anymore. And you, like I said, you get your vitality back and you become stronger and you also become braver. And you're not, you're not only you're more willing to face your past or you're also more willing to face your, your present and your future. So, you know, a lot of times when it comes to personal confidence and, you know, working towards one's goals or even just picking a goal even the even the idea of aiming towards something for some people mm-hmm. is too it's too difficult to do because they don't feel they have they don't feel they're worthy of even aiming at something that imposter syndrome almost yeah yes yeah or the fear of commitment as well yeah like if you choose something you you have to stick to it a lot of people don't have faith that they can do that Exactly. And that's interesting. I'm sure you see that a lot, Leanne, in like the fitness world too. Every day, I'm sure. Constantly. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Oh my yeah. It's you know getting someone to start a fitness regimen is from I'm sure you have that experience is one of the hardest things to do because they have to be willing to make that commitment. Mm-hmm. And then what but by making that commitment, they've now set a standard on themselves. And that's that's tough. Because when you don't to maintain, because when you don't live up to that standard you set, your voice, your inner demons start coming up, and then they, the the cruel, horrible things that you say to yourselves, are probably worse than anything you'll ever hear someone else say to you. For sure. And it's it's really rough. It's really really rough. Mm -hmm. And the the lovely thing about EFT is that the tapping technique is calming your system down, so that you can process those emotions and get through them quickly and safely and to let them go. So you're not just sitting there in, a, in your own anger or sitting there in your own shame or in your own fear. That's a terrible place to be. There's a reason we run from it and we avoid it. The tapping allows those emotions to, pro, to, to pass through you and you, you let them go. And so 
you know, EFT is great when it comes to dealing that work, doing that work when you're working with a practitioner going in for the deeper work. And it's also great when it comes to just dealing with situations in the present. Mm -hmm. So a, a thing I do teach some of my clients if they need it or if they want it, and this is something even your listeners can do as well, is I like to call it like incognito tapping. So this would be you're someplace in the present and something is happening that's aggravating the shit out of you, pissing you off or whatever, but you can't do anything at, in that moment, but you're, but you want to calm yourself down. So you can, there's ways that you can tap on yourself where no one's going to notice. So like the great, the perfect example would be the holiday meal. You're surrounded by family. You have that. Are one... you in my brain right now? Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> you're surrounded. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's super common. Tra family is very, it's very trauma inducing. And so, <laughs> you know, you have that relative they're saying the same shit again, and you're just there wanting to, to either stab yourself or them in the eye, depending on what's going on. And so accurate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when it comes to the tapping, you don't have to tap on all the points at the, for it to work. You can just tap on one and you don't necessarily have to tap. You can simply apply pressure. So if you're at the dining room table with the side of the hand or the inner wrist being a point, you could be tapping or just applying light pressure on those points on your hand underneath the table no one's going to see you but you are engaging that system and calming yourself down or let's say you're standing in line at the coffee shop and the person in front of you is ordering you're at starbucks and they're ordering seven drinks with every single random variation and inventing drinks that don't exist and you just want to like smash them up the side of the head <laughs> you could stand there and cross your arms and just tap on the points underneath you know under the arm and then instead of you committing homicide in the Starbucks, you just, you calm yourself down. Cause it's, you're just like, this person's an idiot. And it's like, do you really, you know, you know, one and a half sugars, like, really, does that really matter? Like, come on. It's like same kind of thing. Or, you know, there are plenty of times, like maybe your boss is talking to you and they're being a dick and you can just be like, you know, rubbing your temple, you're activating that yeah. point, or you can be rubbing your chin. You're activating another point. They don't know what you're doing. They just look like you're touching, they're touching your face. All yeah. the while you're activating that system to calm you down so that you don't end up calling your boss a dick and then getting fired. Getting fired so, yeah. And then ending up in your office, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unemployed, which is never, yeah, which would suck. <laughs> so what's, what's the significance? I know you said they're, they're That's what I was going to ask too. Yeah, what are the, what's the significance of the meridians? So the meridians, so I will admit when it comes to the Chinese medicine component, my knowledge is a little bit less known. But the reason why you activate the meridians is that you, by activating all the meridians, you're activating every single energetic system you have in your body. So you're activating all your organ systems, all your emotional systems across the board. It's the reason why you, sh ideally you do all 10 of the points because you're at your, you're, hit, you're hitting all 14 meridians. Some of the points have two meridians that cross. So that's kind of the, the reasoning behind it. You're, you're activating your entire energetic system, your entire emotional system, and it's calming the system down while you're doing the rhythmic tapping, or like I said, or just the, the, the light touch. Yeah. It's so interesting. Absolutely. How, how do you find that like doing the EFT compares to like doing meditation or like breathing techniques, or even we've, we've had a lady um, on that 
uh, specializes in EMDR and it sounds like they do sit very similar. Mm -hmm. Yes. um, Have the same effects. Yes. So there are, there are a multiple, there are multiple modalities that go after that, that active, that go towards that same system for that internal calm. EMDR is one of those, the Oh, I forget the acronym again. Eye Movement Desensitization Reprogramming, I think it stands for. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's activating that same kind of system, whether you're using a light bar or you're using just the hand motion with the eye movement back and forth. It's it's kind of activating that same system. Um, Hypnosis would be something similar. You could do this. Meditation works the same way in a a similar way. So at the end of, there, there are so many... Conventional talk therapy can goes in that realm as well. At the end of the day, there are there are so many roads you can pick to heal yourself, and you just have to find the road that resonates to you. So for some people, they might hear about this EFT stuff and be like, "This is too much woo woo crap," and they might want to go more conventional, and they might want to go down more the route of conventional talk therapy. And I'll, I would just say to them, "Then that's the path for you." You know, someone might want to, you know, be lying on the couch, a therapist is sitting behind them and the therapist is like, you know, you know, explain to me the relationship with your mother. And it's like, that's fine. You want to go down the psychoanalytic route. It works. It's just a different technique. It's a different path of getting there. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I've heard of instances going with you, Leanne, where a person can be processing um, emotions and memories through exercise. Because a lot of times people can hold weight in their body because the, the physical weight they're holding is a representation of emotional weight. So yeah, they're literally yeah. holding it in their body. Yeah, yeah. I have so many breakthroughs when it comes, when I lift weights. Yeah. <laughs> especially in the beginning, especially in the beginning. That was like such a huge thing for me of like cracking through. And it's interesting that you say, because the weight is so heavy within them that it does kind of, I never thought of it that way until you just said that. And it's so true. Yeah. So I heard, I I heard this story of a woman, she was, you know, you know, she finally committed to going to a physical trainer and losing some weight, you know, you know, a woman in her fifties or things like that. And she was, you know, she loved the trainer she had because of the connection she had with the trainer. And she was talking about how she would be doing these really intense exercises, hysterically crying, not because of the intensity of the exercise, just because it was activating the emotions in her of this weight she was carrying. And then she would talk about how, you know, I'm doing these exercises and I'm working through, you know, all these issues I have with my mom as I'm like pumped, like, you know, lifting weights or running or whatever it is. And it's like, that worked for her. That was, uh-huh. that was the path that worked for her. At the end of the day, the healing is still happening. So I, I work with plenty of clients who, you know, who also meditate, who also, you know, who have, who do EFT and have a conventional therapist. It's not mutually exclusive, you know, who have a personal trainer, who, who do float tanks, who do, you know, you know, meditation, yoga, you know, yoga or, you know, even, even conventional medications, you know, you know, anti-anxiety meds or Prozac and antidepressants, like at the end of the day, it's, it is up to the individual, the path they choose. And I simply act as a guide on that path. And if I'm not the guide for you, that's fine. 
and I'll connect you with someone that might fit better for you, or you may never connect with me at all. And that's fine. I totally respect that. It needs to connect with you. And so for me, one of the reasons why EFT connected so well with me was I was very cerebral. I was very, you know, very logical and I was super closed off to my emotions. It was so bad when I was younger and honestly, not that long ago, um, where an incident would happen in the present and I wouldn't feel it for like a week later. Like I was so suppressing my emotions. And then when I would feel it, I wouldn't know why I was feeling, what I was feeling, what it had to do with. So like if, if I got embarrassed, I wouldn't feel embarrassed till like a week later. And then being like, and I'd be like home watching TV and being like, why am I feeling embarrassed? Yeah, I was going to say, how would it bubble up then? It's because it has to come out. Okay. Like I have a child like that. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. That it'll be very, very repressed. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's just big feelings and it will come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Rawr. yeah, no, exactly. So in the moment, for whatever reason, the individual or your child or myself from the, you know, in the past didn't feel comfortable to feel or express the emotion. And then right. later on when they felt safe, it just would come up because it has to come out. Because like I mentioned before, going back to the army analogy, you don't want to get to an army of zero. You can't function with an army of zero. You will just have it a, an army of zero essentially would be a, a mental breakdown. You literally have no, nothing left. So it'd be no different than like with you, Leanne. If, um, so like- <laughs> We need a prop. <laughs> a, a bunch of props actually. So like, you know, if you're not dealing with your past, you hang on to it. So like you're holding, like I'm, so for the listeners, I'm holding a book. And then as more trauma happens that you don't deal with, here's another book. The old, the other, the first book's still there. And then here's another book. Yeah. And all, and then the muscle, the mental strength, the emotional strength is getting fatigued. Get out, all yeah. of a sudden, this really light little tissue box, bam, the muscle, the, the muscle gives. And then all of a sudden, you're either having a mental breakdown or a psychotic moment, or um, it could be anything. It could be expressed in any fashion. It could be Okay, let's 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 see if I can get the two of you to admit to something terrible. Who here has gotten oh, we're in. <laughs> who here has gotten so angry that they broke something or they did something really stupid? Oh yeah. yeah? Oh, I was very violent in my teens. There you <laughs> because go. Because of that with anger. Yeah, no, yes. yeah. It's you have those outbursts. So like for me, an example was I didn't know this until after the fact, so I felt kind of more guilty about it, but I woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. I step in a puddle and I'm like, what the hell is this? And my cat had peed all over the floor. Oh God! He had a UTI, which is why he peed all over the floor. And oh, so I was, <laughs> I was pissed. And as I'm cleaning it up, the pee, it was a, a lot of pee. It was like a full like water <laughs> bottle of pee. And it got to the point where it had like oozed to the point where it, it like it got onto his scratching post and I, I'm picking up the scratching post. It's dripping pee. And I just, <laughs> I lost it. So it's four in the morning and I'm taking this wet cat scratching post. And I, I, as I'm like beat red screaming, I don't know how I didn't wake up my husband. I literally <laughs> went to my side door and threw the cat post outside onto the grass, <laughs> like full, like just launched it. I'm, I, I'm, 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 
grateful I didn't hit one of my cars. And so, <laughs> and it was just like, at that time, I had so many other things on my mind. And then this random innocent thing, it wasn't his fault. He had a, a UTI and I had to put him on antibiotics and he's fine. It just, it was a, it happens. And yeah. it just was, it was that little tissue box. It just, it pushed me a little too far. It was, it was that one thing getting covered in pee and it pushed me too far. And so- <laughs> The cat post that drew you over the edge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, people, you know, you need to, you need to face your past or those kinds of things will keep happening. So if someone who's listening is continuing to have emotional outbursts, whether it's anger or whether it's depression, where they keep getting, having depressive episodes, you have a very, your army is very small and you need, you need to get those soldiers back. Either that or whatever's happening in your present is so intense that you, that you need more support. Or, or in the, the worst case scenario, it's both. You have a small army and a really intense exist, a present existence that you're trying to deal with. But you can get through it. It is possible to, 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 come, to get your vitality back. But it does require you to, to face the past. And for, so, so, got a random thought there. But um, so one of the reasons why with EFT was so good with me was because the tapping was a w- was a way for me to consciously, logically, quote unquote, reconnect with my emotions, because I could cognitively understand, okay, I'm tapping on these points in order to co- engage my energetic and emotional systems, and it would allow emotions to come up instead of instead of me trying to think about it. So so sometimes with conventional talk therapy a person can become cognitively aware, so mentally aware of their past, but they don't process the emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. So they can be like, oh, you know, you know, my father was abusive and that is why I get very angry at men who do this. So you might know that, but if you're still getting angry at men who do things that your father used to do, you haven't processed it. You've taken the first step of, of becoming aware, but you need to keep going. And that's the great thing with EFT is that you become aware and process the emotion simultaneously. Some forms of talk therapy, depending on the, the, um, the skill of the therapist, they may not go far enough. So they would bring the awareness, but not process the person out of it? They might not get enough emotion. So you, oh, get, okay. you, get, you get the aha, you get the oh, you know, A plus B is equaling C, yeah. you know, this, you had this experience, which is causing you to do this, which is why you're repeating this pattern. So that's great. The next step is to break the pattern, which requires processing the emotions there. And sometimes depending on the therapist and the type of therapy that they're doing, that doesn't happen. So that's not the trashed conventional talk therapy. It's just Every, you know, they all have their limitations. Yeah, it's yeah, different. Yeah. yeah, limitations, exactly. So let me give a, a, a little bit of an example. And this is, I'm, a, I'm attacking this particular form of therapy because it's so effective in some ways, but not in others. So cognitive behavioral therapy, very, very incredibly effective when it comes to making changes in one's actions. So cognitive behavioral therapy is kind of retraining your actions to something else. It's one of the most researched forms of therapy that exists because it is very easy to research. It's as funny as that is because it's very regimented. 
So a, a classic example would be clearing would be the removal of a phobia. So let's say a person has a fear of elevators. So cognitive behavioral therapy will be like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to have this regimented process for you to get through this fear of, of elevators. So first, what we're going to do is I'm going to show you a picture of an elevator and I'm going to have you stare at this picture of an elevator until you no longer, until you are so bored that you're no longer scared of this picture of an elevator and you would do that. So it's exposure therapy, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then you would keep, you would keep escalating that. So then be like, okay, you know, we'll start with the picture of the elevator. Now I'm going to show you a, vi- a video of an elevator. And then you do the same thing. You get, you let the person get to emotional point of zero and then you move on. And then you would be like, okay, now I'm going to, now we're going to stand in a hallway where there's an elevator, but we're, gonna, we're not going to go in it. We're just going to look at the elevator. And then you'd keep getting closer to the elevator. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to open the elevator. You're not going to get in it. I'm just going to push the button. The door's going to open and it's going to shut. That's it. And you keep doing that. And, and then eventually you work your way into the person going in the elevator, stepping out of the elevator, and then actually using the elevator. And that's essentially CBT in a very quick nutshell. And CBT practitioners are probably gonna be like, you said it wrong. It's whatever. <laughs> and that works. You can, the phobia can go away. But here's the thing. That process will get rid of the elevator phobia, which is fantastic. Why was the person scared of elevators? I was going to say, what was in, what happened in the elevator? <laughs> right. That's where you need to like come to terms with it and understand it. Bingo. Now here's yeah. the thing. It may not have anything to do with an elevator. It could just simply be expressed in an elevator. So let's use a hypothetical. Let's say that particular person who has a fear of elevators, maybe when they were younger, they had an older sibling or a neighbor who locked them in the trunk of a car as a prank and it scared the shit out of them. It created a fear of closed spaces, which is being now expressed as an adult in elevators. So you, CBT can cure the issue with the elevator, but that core memory is still there, meaning that person could then express their fear of enclosed spaces somewhere else. It might turn into an airplane. It might turn into small rooms. It could be anything else. Mm -hmm. So there's the limitation there. It doesn't go into the past. So like I said, CBT is great and it could be great for those specific issues, but it doesn't doesn't go into the why. It, It just goes into the behavior, thus cognitive behavioral therapy. So, yeah. No, that makes sense. That helps you know, like when you are searching for kind of a therapist, what to really look for too. Because if it's just to get through and do worldly things that you need to do, there is a reason to go and do that. But if you're, yeah, I, I can see that. That's really interesting. Absolutely. Because for, for some people, and this is, this is super, super common. For some people, they want, every, well, everyone wants the quick fix. And so- you know, sometimes it's like, sometimes it's like, I just don't want to be petrified of elevators or I don't want to be scared of needles anymore or whatever it is. So like maybe, maybe a person who's, who's become diabetic is scared of needles. And it's like, well, they, they, they don't have a choice, but to give yeah. themselves injections and do, cool. and do blood testing. It's like, so you could do something very specific of like, I just want to get over this fear of needles. I don't care why I have it. I just want to get over it. And that's tough too. Cause that's fully dependent on how much they're willing to mm-hmm. stay consistent and try mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. That's why you have to treat the why you have to treat the root. It's so it is, it is ideal to treat the root, yeah. but everyone is on their own path. 
And for I some, know. I know, yeah, yeah, it's not, <laughs> kind of like I know. My path. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's the thing, a person might not be ready to treat the root yet, but they they might only be ready to treat something that's more on the surface, and that's fine. At the end progress. of progress, it's progress. It's it's the baby steps. It's you know you do one thing at a time and you go from there, and so. At the end, you know, because it's it's the whole journey because there are people who, you start with the people who are like, I don't have a problem. And then there's the people of, I have a problem, I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And then there's the people of, I have a problem and I really should deal with it. I don't know what to do. And then there's the people of like, I kind of want to deal with it, but only very lightly. And then there's the people who are like, okay, I want to dive deep. And so, you know, EFT is great for for the for the person who is ready to, to do something because we could stay on the surface if they want to, or we can go deep if, if we want to. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's very client driven. I don't force the client to go anywhere they don't want to go. And what comes up, comes up naturally from on their end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had plenty of instances where I've had clients who, who were like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable talking about this thing. And I'll be like, that's fine. Do you, you know, and I'd say to them, do you want to get to a point where you are, yeah. you know, and yeah. if they say no, it's like, okay, then what else would you rather work on? We don't have to go there. But I would say to them like, that's, that's fueling stuff. And like, I was going to say, wouldn't it connect eventually? Eventually. Like, yeah. But you might have to, you might have to fight the smaller battles first before they're comfortable and brave enough to go after the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And get they some of their soldiers. soldiers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And a really cool thing with EFT it's one of the unique strengths with EFT is that you can work on an issue and never talk about it. It's, it sounds very counterintuitive. So EFT, there's been a lot of research about the, the effectiveness of EFT when it comes to PTSD, because with EFT, you don't have to relive the memories that are contributing to the PTSD. If you don't want to that, like I said, that sounds very odd. And the way it works is, Reliving a PTS experience can be incredibly traumatic for the person. And so with EFT, what you can do is it's called tapping around the issue. So let's, let's go with, um, let's go with the soldier. I don't want to go with abusive parents too long. That's a rough topic for people sometimes. (laughs) Let's go with a soldier, you know, went through war, had a, you know, had a rough experience. When we're doing, if that's, a, if I have a client like that and they're wanting to work on it, but they're still hesitant to kind of dive deep or talk about it, what we would do is we would say, okay, we're going to tap around the issue. So we're going to stay very vague. And so, and I'll, and so we'll be tapping on it and I'll, and I'll be saying things and having them repeat on it being like, you know, I had this really bad experience happen to me and I'm having a really hard time with it and I don't want to think about it. I don't want to remember those memories anymore because it was really hard for me. And I don't, I just don't want to feel this anymore. It was really, really bad. And it really upsets me and I'm having nightmares from it. And I, I just don't want to think about it anymore. And even though I, there's almost no detail that could apply to almost any topic, but by the client is some part of them is putting their focus on that event they know in their head what they're talking about exactly and so but the tapping is still happening and the emotions are still being released 
So it is as weird as it may sound, I could work with someone on a topic and they never tell me what it is. If a person is truly never wanting to, to verbalize it, that is possible. It makes it, it, it is that hard as a practitioner? Yeah, it's harder. Yeah. It's yeah. harder because it's because I can't I lose I I can't um I'm walking very disconnect. much blind. Yeah. 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 But it, it is doable. And it's typically in those instances, we don't stay super vague for, for long. Typically they get to a point where that emotional charge shrinks to a point where they get to a point where they are more willing to talk about it. So in those instances, the tapping around the issue, that technique is more is primarily used when the emotional charge is a 10 or more, where, where the emotional charge is so severe, the thought of trying to face it is too, is too high. They are truly petrified to turn around and look at it. It, it is the true, it is the, the Freddy Krueger of their mind. They don't, yeah. it's, it will kill them if they try. And so emotionally speaking, of course. And so we start vague and then the charge will eventually come down. And depending on what it is, it might take some time. But you know, all the while emotion is being released, the client is calming down and they'll get to a point where they wanna talk about it or not. And it's always their choice. It's always the power is on them. I am just a guide. I'm walking the path with them. And they'll walk with me as long as they want. And when they're ready to move on, they move on if, or, or whatever. It's fine. It's, it's very, very self-guided from the client's perspective, at least with me in particular. Yeah. What are some traumatic experiences or, or that, you, that you've helped people with that you're the most proud of or big changes that they've made in their lives because of this kind of therapy? So I worked with a woman who... I worked with a woman who had a miscarriage and was worried about being able to have children afterwards. And amazingly enough, it only took one session for her to get over that. The reason for that, I'm not going to toot my horn too hard on that. (laughs) The miscarriage happened a few days prior to the session. And Whoa. this and this client had no concerns about fertility prior to this, so this was a seed that was go that was just planted, so nothing nothing grew yet. It was the, it was it was a, no it was well to you. well <laughs> it was dumb luck. She scheduled okay. the appointment prior to the miscarriage. It was wow. it was it was just it was perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, it was perfect timing. So that was a perfect situation. The reason why it was so quick it was because. There was nothing there to begin with. There was no concern about fertility. And, mm-hmm. and it was right after it happened. So a big piece of advice I would give to people would be if a traumatic thing happened to you just now, you want to see someone or work on it immediately before it plants roots. Okay, timing is, is important. Yeah, so like a great, another great example would be, let's say you got in a car accident, your first car accident. And then afterwards, you, you know, you start to notice that you're starting to become scared to drive again. Mm-hmm. It's pretty common. If you work on that immediately, you can get rid of it relatively quickly. And like it doesn't getting back on the horse. essentially. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was a very quick thing. Um, I had another client who 
was reeling over a really bad situation that happened with a previous employer. They were they had this whole trajectory plan for their career where they were going to have ownership of in the company and like this was going to they were going to work for this company until they until they retired and their boss stabbed them in the back and cut them out of the deal altogether. And that was years ago and this person's contemporary issue was they couldn't they had no they did not feel comfortable standing up for themselves anymore with work. So they were, they were just completely passive and just being pushed around. And after a few sessions, they were able to really put their foot down and create a new path for themselves in their current job. And they were so happy of just like, of just being like, I'm just, I'm not letting them push me around anymore. And I'm making them give me what I need. And that's huge. It, it, they re, this this client reclaimed their power in their job. Um, trying to think of another one. Another another one. You know, regrettably, this particular client just chose to move on before there was more progress done. But another one was you know, real issues when it came to to intimacy they they had been single for decades and they just couldn't they they were having such a hard time connecting with the right person for them romantically and they kept connecting with horrible people that were they were replaying scripts from from their past with different people in their lives they had a they had a very rough relationship with one of their parents and that script kept getting getting played over and over and over again with their romantic partners and so we did a lot of great work dismantling some of those scripts but they chose to move on which is fine you know they you know they got to a point where you know for circumstances chose to move on but a lot of those trips scripts started to get dismantled and they started to you know build more confidence when it came to their romantic life and they weren't as aggravated with people in their life as they were initially. So like some of the first sessions were them just ripping apart this, the, you know, people they had in the, you know, potential romantic partners and things like that. And like all this perceived, perceived strife and things like that. And then towards the end, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, Oh, that, that person's just a jerk and they're just not right for me. Like they, they, they got very neutral, Oh, nice, yeah. which was great. Like they acknowledged, they acknowledged that, that it was just them and that it just wasn't for them. Instead of them being like, you know, you know, F that person, you know, how dare they, how dare they insult me? Like all, there's all that emotion. And then like all that emotion wasn't from that person. It was, this was yeah. a script from a parent playing back again. It was, it was, you know, it's, it's, it shouldn't have been screw you, Jim. It should have been screw you, dad. Dang. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that happens a lot, you know. You know, the, a lot of stuff when it comes to parents is pretty common, which sounds which sounds shitty for people who are parents, but it's be, it, but is because No, um, that's a, not on Yeah, yeah. It's be, yeah, it's exactly. because parents are so influential. That's all it is. And the th- and the thing is that no human being can be the best parent all the time and you never know what's something that's going to leave a mark like you know and so good or bad good or good or bad no it's true it's oh my god it's totally true so you know 
like you hear stories sometimes or we ourselves might have these stories of like you know you know mom or dad you said this to me this one time and ever since then I can't let this go and then your mom or your dad might be like I don't even remember this happening what are you talking about and it's like it's just you you never know what's gonna what's gonna leave a mark it's just how it goes and so um I've noticed that like as I've gone back to kind of do some of the deep diving in my childhood and then I'm so cautious now with my children to a point where it's almost like shut up (laughs) you can't be so concerned about it all the time because you still have to live and things are still going to happen and like you and Leanne were just saying you don't know good or bad what's going to exactly affect them in certain ways but like that's a weird thing as a parent to try to navigate because it's like my, one of my biggest fears for that is that I'm going to mess these kids up, <laughs> you know? So there's two things I'm going to say in regards to that. I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the, the sucky part first. first. Okay. There are going to be things that for any parent, there are going to be things that you do that are going to leave a mark on your kids. Good and bad. Right. It's unavoidable. If you're not leaving a mark on your kids, you are not a parent. You're not, you have no, you have, if, only strangers don't leave marks on people because they have no influence on them. That's the sucky part. The positive side is if you work on yourself, you will become a better parent because mm-hmm. by healing the wounds that you're still trying to, to deal with, that you gained from your own parents, by healing those wounds, it ripples down into your kids. And then you don't, re- you, you don't repeat the, those patterns and you also don't overcompensate. I just got chills. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you also- Oh, it's so true. Yeah, you That's also... where my fascination with epigenetics and all that comes into play because all of it is just so fascinating that you can kind of, by working on and healing and getting to the root and, mm-hmm. and really healing and dealing with all that stuff, you, you can change it and change it for not just yourself, but like your lineage. I think it's so beautiful. Absolutely. And that's and that's the thing. That That's, the, that's a really big thing is that- I'm going to not go political. Don't let me, unless you want me to. <laughs> but um, by doing work on yourself, by focusing on your microcosm first and, and improving who you are as a person and your immediate little sphere, you start with yourself. It will have a positive ripple effect on the people around you, on the world around you on your immediate family and your friends and your coworkers. And you can have a very positive impact on the world by starting with healing yourself. It's like the whole, like the whole stupid cliche of, you know, you put the mask on first before you put the mask on your kid, you you heal yourself first before you heal others. Unfortunately, to touch politics for just a second, there's a big focus nowadays (laughs) of my life sucks because of the government or the culture or something so gigantic. And it's like, that needs to change first. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, you, by do, by, 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 by believing that you're disempowering yourself. Mm-hmm. How can we, ch- we like, we can't like the three of us can't change culture. We can have an influence on culture, but we can't change it really quickly. We can change and heal ourselves which will then affect the people in our immediate lives. And that's truly what it affects us. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is very common that when, an, when a, if, if, a, if a household 
whether it's a family or roommates or whatever, if one person starts improving themselves, it will have a ripple on everyone else around them positively. And there, yes, there can be resistance because when you see someone else healing and improving their lives, it can, some people might perceive it as a threat because it, it, it's a mirror. Exactly. Yeah. And they see that they need this. They, they see that there, there's something wrong with them potentially mm-hmm. depends if that's the script that activates. Um, so yeah, there could be resistance, but at the same time, it causes encouragement. Like, you know, it's the accountability as well. So like, I'm sure with you, Leanne, if you have a person who's wanting to do exercise and they have an exercise buddy, they're probably going to be more successful because they have a friend or a family member yes. who are doing it together and keeping themselves accountable. And so when, you know, when one of them is like, I really don't want to go to the gym and the other one's like, come on, you know, we'll do a light workout then. Let's just, you know, we'll, we'll do something light and at least you can still check the box that you did it. And they're like, all right, fine. It's that same kind of thing. But the reverse also happens. Yeah. You know, someone can pull you down. And so even more easily, it seems like than pulling people up. That's what I find most with clients whose spouses are on board or leave a, lead a somewhat active and healthy lifestyle. Those, those two together can make it. But if one spouse decides to like change up their life and really take a turn and go the healthy route and the other spouse isn't on board, they are nine times out of 10, not going to make it. Yeah. And that's, that can be similar when it comes to mental health as well. Assuming that you tether Mm -hmm. your own progress to the other person who's resistant. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, I would recommend either tether, either don't tether and just say, I need to do this for myself. And I know it will help my partner as well. Or you find someone else to kind of be your partner in crime. And it'd be Mm -hmm. like, you know, if your spouse or your, your partner or whomever isn't wanting to go with you to work out, then find a friend or make a friend. That's a great, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. 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 You know, or hire a trainer. Or hire a trainer. No, exactly. You, 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 Leanne Hill Fitness. I'm in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. There you no, exactly. No, it's you, we all, we all, we all need those cheerleaders in our lives because, and this, this was a, this was an interesting thing that I learned relatively recently that I never thought about. It's in the philosophical side. It's like, it is very easy to, to sink into negativity, to sink into bad habits, than it is to actively push into positivity. It takes effort to exercise. It takes effort to be, to be positive. You're, to, be, to, to get to that level of that tier of emotion to that you, you, you're, you're having to put effort into yourself to get up there into that tier and then to stay there. It is very easy to sink down because you can just stop. You can just stand still. And what you don't realize is that you're slowly sinking down. And then all of a sudden your habits start falling, you start disintegrating. And then you're just kind of like, you know, I'll, you know, you skip one gym day and then all of a sudden you skip two and then you skip three and you skip four. And all of a sudden a month goes by and it's like, oh shit, it's been a month. And it's like, oh, fuck. COVID was such a wake up call for, for so many people. It was almost the, the perfect reason to, to start sinking. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
Yeah, it did kind of give an excuse to a lot of people or it had the exact opposite effect of now I have all this time and I need to do something. Something, yeah. yeah. You know, it was really, but I saw both ends of it. It is, yeah, it's throughout my life. That's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. Every person is different in that regard. So the emotional weight of COVID may have been enough to the emotional weight of COVID in addition to the, the added difficulty of working out because you may not have been able to go to the gym depending on what state you lived in or country you're in. Um, that combination might've been enough to just completely derail people. And for other people, you know, the, the availability of time might've been the kick in the butt for them to start or, and or, you know, the biological fear of a disease may have been the kick in the ass to be like, I, mean, I need to get in better health or I will right. die. Right. Like COVID, COVID, in a really effed up way, COVID forced all of us to face our mortality. And that is not something that normally happens to us. We Human beings have a very typically do... Let me rephrase that. Americans typically yeah. do not face death very often. We sanitize the crap out of it. Our culture is not revolved around the fact that we're, our lives are going to end. Our culture is revolved around the, you'll live forever until you die. Yeah. <laughs> we just ignore that last part. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, you know, that's rough. It's, it's acknowledging with yourself that we have a finite amount of time on earth and really like letting that sink in. That's a rough, rough thing to to process. And in America, we don't, we don't think about how we handle our, the practice, you know, the processing of death in America, you know, on one side of the coin, we have the mentality of, you know, fight to the last dying breath, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, But the other side of the coin is like, when someone dies, it's like, you know, it's, it's an emergency, like get the body out, you know, <laughs> let the funeral deal with it. They, they dress them up, they make them look alive. You say goodbye and then you walk away. And it's like, there are other cultures who, that, that, that's absurd. There are other cultures where they stay with their dead in their homes for a while. And they truly allow themselves to grieve and to process the fact that they had the loss. And the thing is that a dead body is not an emergency person's they've died they don't instantaneously decay it takes a while and we have things like ice and refrigeration and air conditioning to slow that process down so like you know you could stay with your pet like your 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 dot your dead loved one for a few days and it not be the end of the world you just put them in the deep freezer like what where are we oh sorry, where are we? So, so back to ice baths <laughs> I've gone down this rabbit hole. Thanks, there, Zach. <laughs> I've gone down. I've gone down this rabbit hole. There's a there's a woman out in California. Her name is Caitlin Dowdy. She has a great YouTube channel about the about changing the process in, in which you process death. She's a mortician, and so one of the things she talks about is that you know a dead body is not an emergency, and there are things and that you that you can ha- you can ha- you can keep your dead at home for a while and then depending how long that you want it's wild yeah because here's the that thing is wild to think about because here's the thing <laughs> she goes into detail as to what happens over time and it's not that bad for a while mm-hmm. so like how long's a while yeah <laughs> i'm just, just 
I just need to like I need to picture this. So if you do absolutely need to have her on the show. Yeah. If you can get her, she's great. I love her. She's she's really funny. Watch her YouTube channel. It's great. I highly recommend. What's her name? Caitlin Dowdy. Okay. Um I forget the name of her channel, but um I can send you a we'll link find afterwards. It. Yeah, yeah. We'll... Um thank you. So if you do absolutely nothing, you literally like they they pass away in bed and you let the and you let them just do do nothing. You can stay with them for several hours or probably overnight before you have to do anything. If you want to if you want them to stay with you longer than that, she would recommend getting some ice, you know, getting some bags of ice and, you know, pump the AC in the room, get some uh, some bags of ice or ice packs and then just put it up against the body to help slow the rate of decay. And in that first 12 to 24 hours, you know, you might see a little bit of drool or fluid and things like that. They'll go through rigor mortis, which is just their muscles tense, and then they'll relax again. That's kind of it. They're not going to smell. They're not going to rot. You know, I don't know how long it takes before their bowels get emptied because those muscles I would, I would I don't know. know. But the thing that she- I'm so stressed out (laughs) listening to you talk about (laughs) But here's the thing. It's just, it's not an emergency. Right. No, I, that part of it is beautiful. Yeah. It's not an emergency. (laughs) But nothing else. The rest of it is- But that's the thing. So what, what she, what she would say is, what she would say is you would contact, contact a local funeral home. Mm-hmm. And just tell them what, and say, you know, I, you know, I'm not ready for this person to leave yet, this, the body to leave yet. You know, what should I be worried about, or what should I do? And mm-hmm. be like, I, I just want to, I just want to be with them for a couple of hours. And they might just say, put some ice or pump the AC, and you'll be fine. And like, and they'll say, you know, in the first six hours, you might see this, and that's, and just be prepared, and that's it. Have you ever dealt with anybody that had like end of life? anxiety to help them through that and uh, or just i guess like just the mortality in general fear of that mortality in general can come up in a lot of interesting ways it can come up when it comes to chronic disease it can come up with injury um a lot of times it can come up with you know a family member has passed away mm-hmm. and that kind of a bit a big thing Um, it's actually, um, on my own podcast that I was talking with my, with my co-host, her father had passed away, um, back in December and, um, it wasn't COVID related. Uh, it was a stroke. And, um, and one of the things that she was dealing with was, was her realization that her, Stay in your seat. This, is, this might be a weird thing to kind of think about, but like, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. We just iced dead bodies, so I think oh, yeah, so I, I think we can, we can handle Let's just anything keep going. now. Let's keep going. I'm ready. <laughs> you really prepared us for this. <laughs> she came to the realization that her generation's up deck; that she is becoming the older gen, the oldest generation, because her, her, the generation above her, her parent generation is almost gone. And the loss of her father was that real big wake up call. And so like, even myself being, you know, so she, she's, you know, she's in her fifties, you know, I'm in my thirties. I had that same realization, but it was the generation above. So uh, my, 
my grandparent generation is dwindling to the point where there's not many left. So like, I was very lucky where I met all of my great grandparents on my mother's side and both of her parents were alive as well. And so that whole generation disappeared, which that's a few generations up. That's uh, one, that's three generations up. Eh, and I was younger, blah, blah, blah. But now it's like my grandparents, like I only have one grandmother left. Everyone else, everyone else is gone. And, you know, and so like I, I lost, I lost a great aunt, which was my grandmother's sister. And I also lost my father's brother. And that's, so my uncle. And that one was, both both of those close together were was rough mm-hmm. because I'm noticing how I, I'm no longer the youngest generation. My nieces and nephews are the, are the young generation now. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of the pack. You just brought that to my attention. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a weird thing to think about. And and with the loss of my uncle, my father's brother, it put into the forefront of my parents don't have a lot of time. So like, you know, my father's 74. And so life expectancy for a man is 78. And he's healthy and he takes care of himself. And I'm hoping, you know, he, you know, I'm hoping he goes well into his 80s and 90s. You know, he might even break 100. It's becoming a lot more common nowadays. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so that puts that into the front of my mind of like, I need to take advantage of that. And you take advantage of that, that I'm not going to have my dad forever. And that's a rough thing to kind of become aware of. Because most of the time, I don't think about those kinds of things. And so that kind of realization can require some emotional processing to kind of become aware again of like, we only have but so what much a, time. Yeah, but what a beautiful way to kind of bring it back to the gift that you give being an EFT practitioner of giving people time back and giving them the time to heal before it's too late. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's such a beautiful thing that you, that you do. Thank you. And uh, absolutely. And the really, really big thing that I will say as well, when it comes to processing things from one's past, those, those emotional scars, we may have these fantasies in our mind where we, you know, where we would wish that, you know, this person, this parent, this relative, whoever it is, would say the thing we wish they would say now because they never said it in the past. Mm-hmm. And here's the dirty little secret. Even in the most ideal situation where they say to you in the present exactly what you want to hear, it's not enough. And that is so rich. Yeah, it's not Preach. enough. It's not enough. Yes. And and you're if it happens, cherish it, but it's very rare. And that's assuming the person is around, is even alive, is even in your life, and is even aware enough to say what you need them to say and for it to be real. So what you can do with EFT and with a lot of other modalities, but especially with EFT is, and this is, this is the deep, deep work that you can do with EFT is when you go into your past and you really reconnect with that past version of yourself, you know, the 14 year old version of yourself, the 12 year old version of yourself, the eight year old, the infant version of yourself, 
the present version of you can give the past version of you what you need. It's, yeah. it's like emotional yes. time travel. You, you give your past self whatever your past self needed back then. So let me give you a, let me give you a, a kind of a real example because that was very like, what the fuck am I, are you talking about? So um, I did some work with, um, actually it was with Stacy. so I want to give kudos to her too. I did some work with her. Is that your co-host? Yeah, my co-host. We did a lot of trades when we were training to become EFT practitioners and we did a lot of healing of each other. And so she was able to guide me to a point where I connected with the eight-year-old version of me. And the way that that was being expressed in my mind was the eight-year-old version of me being in my room that I grew up in, in my underwear, and people banging on the windows of my room, trying like to see me. And it was, it was very symbolic. It was basically being, being exposed. That was kind of the symbol symbolism there. And this is what you saw in your mind? In my mind. This is what okay. I, this is, this is what I was seeing in my mind. So she, she guided me to that point using the, using the tapping. And this was just the visualization I had that popped into my head. And she okay. just, she could, she just went with it. She went with it. And so so what she did was she, as we're continuing to tap, she guided me to have my adult version come into that room with the little kid me there. Mm. And so, and get to a point where I could connect and be, and, the, and the, for the little kid version of me to be comfortable enough to connect with the, the adult version of me. And what ended up happening was I said out loud and in my mind to the younger version of me, what I needed to hear, which was, you're going to be okay, that people will love you for who you are, and that you, and that I will protect you, that I, the adult, will protect you. And the symbolic exchange that happened there was, I gave my younger self this hoodie, because I was wearing it at the time during the session. And so, so I gave my younger self the hoodie as a way to, to, shield him shield himself wow oh my gosh and that's all in one session that was in one that was in one session oh my gosh yeah oh my gosh yeah and so that's that's that kind of like really deep work that when you can get there it could be very very powerful and that can have a massive ripple effect in one psyche and so what did that do for you i was able to tell you guys this story and not be embarrassed and not be scared and not be worried that I was going to be attacked because there's part of me that knows that even if the two of you, not that you guys would, but even if the two of you tried to say the cruelest things you could think of, that I would just be like, I don't give a shit. It gave me that kind of just that, that resolve of just being like, you can't hurt me anymore. You can be more vulnerable without the mm-hmm. fear. And for me, with my personal history, I was so closed off. So like, that was like me being vulnerable and being so open like I am now is a result of all of this work I've done on myself with EFT. I would, one, never have gone on a podcast to do an interview because of the fear of public speaking, but I would never, ever have been this open about my, my personal history and go into this kind of detail. And it's, be, and it's because I've gotten to a point where I don't 
I'm no longer scared of being persecuted by others. Even though I had so much history of that happening from the bullying when I was younger, I was able to heal those wounds. And yes, you know, my journey is not done. I'm still working on other things as well. But all the while, my vitality is stronger. And your soldiers are back. I, my soldiers <laughs> are back. And it's, there's still some battles that are still being fought. And I'm, I'm going back and hunting them down and, and getting those soldiers back as well. And so, you know, the journey continues in its own path for, in however way it goes. And you don't necessarily ever per- stop per se. Like you could stop having sessions and things like that, but you're all, you, you, the, once you're on a path of self-work, you don't really necessarily stop. Like a person doesn't stop exercising. There's no such thing as being done. Like, right. you know, you can get to a point where you're where you are physically, but then there's maintenance. You, know, you don't want to slide backwards. It's the same. It's it could be. It's the same thing with mental health. You can get to a point where you truly feel that you are, you've achieved. You you've healed. You've healed yourself, and then it's maintenance. It's it's just, you know, process. You stay more in the present, and you just don't. You don't let anything new turn into a. You know, you don't let any more seeds get planted in your mind. Right. Well, you have like the coping skills and the behavioral habits to, to be able to maintain wherever you got to, hopefully, so that when Absolutely. you do start sliding, it's easier to pick yourself back up. Absolutely. Because just, I'm sure with yourself as well, Leanne, like if someone has had gotten into the habit of working out and then they fell out of the habit, it is easier for them to get back into the habit because they have experience concrete experience that they've done it mm-hmm. it's easier to kind of restart the engine than it is to start it from nothing those you know so those first steps when you're going from nothing from never making never making those first steps that's that's always harder yeah. it's but it is you know getting yourself back on the horse it's a little bit easier once you've fallen off a couple of times yeah. it's kind of like you know yeah you know you you own it and then you're like all right you know i, I know you can off. handle it yeah, yeah i've been here before yeah, yeah i've been here before and i can get back on again But the other thing that tends to happen as well is you fall off, but you don't fall off as hard. You don't, you don't go as deep. So if you have a, a relapse is a little bit hard of a word, but like it it kind of works. If, if you fall back into a bat, into an old pattern that isn't healthy for you, Mm -hmm. you may feel discouraged because you fell back into the old pattern, but you have the skills already to, you got yourself out once. You can do it again. You can, you can give note to the, to yeah, the you feeling can recognize of what this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And put a label on it. Yep. And you can be like, I know what I'm like, you can, you have more self-awareness. You're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And you may still talk yourself into, into doing it anyway. Um, because maybe in the moment, you know, it's just easier. So I'll, I'll be personal once again. So relatively recently, um, I was going through a rough time because I, I, I had way overextended myself and so, <laughs> yeah, it happens. We, relate, we yeah. all, yeah, we all burn do out that. queen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, so at first I did, I did my best to give myself the permission perfectionist. I'm working on it still give myself the permission to take a break. But then it started to activate the whole, you're not doing enough. 
So you're a failure. And all of a sudden those thoughts started. I need to introduce you to my friend, Chad. (laughs) (laughs) So, so personally, I fell into a bad habit of avoidance. So for me, it started with video games, which can be relatively benign, but then it ended up being a lot of video games. And then I took (laughs) one step further into a, a worser habit, which was, which was pot. And so I'm Massachusetts, so it's legal. So I kind of dabbled back into edibles again. But then I was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to do edibles every single day because why the fuck not? And so <laughs> I, I fell into that bad habit again. But all the while, I'm like, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I was still in the throes of it. And it's kind of hard to kind of push yourself out. And yeah. so I took charge of it. I connected with a practitioner, again, in a different field. Uh, just because I, it was a different modality, it's iridology, a cool topic as well to talk to find a guest about. I could connect yeah, you with I'm someone. Yeah, I'm so curious. Yeah, please. Oh, I'll be happy to. It's super interesting. It's all about learning stuff about yourself through your eyes. It's very, very cool. And so I'm working with her still, and we're tackling some interesting things that are coming from there. But as a result of doing that, I've, I, my, my work ethic has started to come back, and some of my self-guilt is starting to dissipate, which is good. So even myself as a practitioner, even though I have all of these tools, even I succumb to my own, like, fuck it. I don't want to. That's good. No, that's good to share. That's the human in you. We all have these things. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a God. I'm still human. I still have bad days. I still do. I still succumb to bad habits and it it does it. I can say this now, but even though maybe a week or two ago, I, I would, feel more worse about saying this but like I made bad choices they weren't the worst ones I it could have been a lot worse (laughs) yeah and you know it always can but I I had enough strength to let it go spiral completely out of control Mm -hmm. and that's what happens you know you know just like with exercise those muscles are still there even if they atrophy a little bit even if you gain a few pounds the muscles are still there you know, you'd, you'd really like, you'd really have to let yourself go for a very prolonged period of time. And even then the knowledge and muscle memory is a real thing. Yeah. Muscle memory is still a real thing. And so you can still come back and that's just part of being human. You know, we're, we always, we always have these cycles. We can never always be happy as much as people try to sell you stuff that will keep you happy. It's, we need the duality of emotion. We need the positive and the negative emotions. Because if you don't feel sadness, happiness is irrelevant. You need both. You just, you know, and it's just, you just need to learn to process the negative emotions so you don't stay there too long. And also learn to embrace the positive emotions and not just treat them and not treat them with neglect. Yeah, disregard yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Because there's always, there's always that duality and you need to feel. You also need to feel because (laughs) if you, it's, what was the thing? If you don't let yourself experience anger, you also lose passion. You you know, you, it's, they're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. You you know, it's, that's, it's, it's passion is that same level of intensity as anger, but passion is, is positively focused usually. And anger is, you know, is negatively focused. Usually there are times where anger can be productive, where you can tap into your anger to be productive. 
And there are times where, you know, being blinded by your passion, you know, you need to kind of tone it back. It's, it's duality. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the yin and the yang. It's the up and the down. It's, it's, it's the, you know, we need darkness and light. We need both sides of ourselves, you know, masculine and feminine. You, you can't erase one because you completely disable the other. You know, you know if, if a person is too masculine, they're cold, they're hard, they're unemotional, and they can be cruel. And if a person is too feminine, they can be too giving. They could be too forgiving. They could be too... Empathy can run amok. You yeah. could, you, oh, you can truly, if a person, as a, as a person who is naturally empathic, excessive empathy can suck. That can be codependency. It drains you. Yeah. It drains you. It drains you. It's, it's you drains of you. everything. It can lead to codependency and it can just lead to you being an open wound for all of the emotions of every human that exists, every living yep. creature that, that, I've lived that, that exists. Life. Oh, like that was my twenties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that yeah. was me two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, it, it was hard to even go outside sometimes. Literally I would feel everything. Oh, yeah. oh yep. I, I hear you. I was in the knee deep of, you know, trying to work through all my shit, <laughs> you know, yes. a lot was coming to light. So I was open to a lot of it, but Oh my gosh, Eric, I could talk to you for like <laughs> four hours. Are you going to come? You have to come back and hang out with us again. I, I want to continue this conversation. Yes. It was so, so good. Yeah. Where can people find you in the meantime, though? Absolutely. So if you're interested in working with me with EFT, you can go to ericeft.com. So that's Eric. So that's E-R-I-C-E-F-T.com. I offer a free 20-minute consultation so you can check out to see if you might work with me, if the technique might work for you. And um, you can also listen to my podcast. It's called Take a Breather Podcast. It's, all, it's with my colleague, Stacey Every. We're both EFT practitioners. And we, we talk with other practitioners in a whole bunch of other fields, along with having our own individual topics. We've been talking a lot about death. What's it's in the front <laughs> of my mind? Our third episode on death came out this week. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. It's, yeah, it's, you it's, got a new listener. I will definitely awesome. be listening. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And don't be surprised when Leanne and I show up in scuba gear at your office to go deep because it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and that's, that's also the lovely thing with EFT. <laughs> that's also the lovely thing with EFT is that if you, it could be, I could work with anyone anywhere. As long as you have an internet connection or a phone, if, if, you, can, if you can listen to this podcast, I can work with you. It's just lining up time zones. I've had clients all over the United States, Canada, the UK, South Africa. It's just, you just as, long as, you, as long as you speak English and you have some form of access <laughs> to the internet or a phone, I'm happy to help. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Eric. We Thank will you. talk to you very soon. Right. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HTC community. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Combo and click around on our links to find ways that you can get involved. And talk, talk soon. soon.